and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? I'm I'm getting back in the groove. I uh, but I'm <laughs> I feeling really comfortable, actually. A lot, usually after we take a long break, I mean, the, the listeners didn't experience hardly any break at all, except right. they had a clip show. I'm sorry about that. I was very sick. Yeah. Um, summer colds are the worst, too. That's what I've heard. I heard that in that film, 12 Angry Men. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what everyone says. It's like a... Yeah. It's like a mom thing to say. Summer colds are the worst. It's like saying, oh, these prices are ridiculous. <laughs> Anything like consumer related that a mom has to deal with is ridiculous. That's all, that's the go-to it is adjective. It's the word. Uh, to describe any sort of hassle that they're caused at the at the, at the mall or at the, you know, getting their oil, oil changed or whatnot. Uh, ridiculous. Completely ridiculous <laughs> to, to venture into Norm McDonald territory. Um <laughs> But um, so yeah, yeah sorry we had, about the, took some time off yeah. because um, we had a guest episode, so we had a plan to take a time off, yeah. take time off, and then I got sick, so we had to do the ca- the the clip show, yeah. and then last week was Comic Con, yeah, which was awesome, right? And so that was also a planned guest episode. And then of course this episode is, is a, a day, day late. late because my uh, speaking of moms, my mom was in town, yeah. uh, had a great time, great it was time, a lot of fun. Glad to yeah. hear it, David. Um. Yeah, very very fun. But uh, because of that, I w- wasn't free all weekend. But yeah. So thanks thank, thanks to our guests uh, Mather and uh, James. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's weird to think that that was a while ago, but it was only just a few weeks. Yeah, we, we recorded that those episodes. It seems like forever ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so so David, how you yeah. doing these days? Um. Well. Uh, I'm pretty pissed off right pissed now. Pissed off? Why is that? It's you know what this is a, this is great. I'm glad we waited today. Oh yeah, all right, yeah. Because it seems like so often we miss like the chance to be right on top of like new news. But I didn't hear. I guess it was. Uh, I mean, I checked the news. A lot of people this broke like last night, but I didn't hear till this morning on the way to work. Mm-hmm. This news about Steven Spielberg. Yeah, and that he is uh, planning on remaking Harvey. And. I, you know what? I'm not a guy. I, I don't like the idea of remakes. Yeah. Like like most uh, film snobs, I, I don't. But I'm not a guy who usually gets up in arms about them. I just sort right. of like, you know, roll my eyes, you know, and say, oh, you know, pshaw. But, um, he does say that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but, like me um, with like. This made so. me so angry. Well, now, David, hang on. You know, actually, here's you say why it makes you angry. And then I will not. I'm not. I'm not on board with with the remake completely. But I will defend it a little bit. But let's go with you first. Um. Well, I guess a part of it. I don't want to seem short sighted. Maybe Spielberg has some new interpretation that will make sense mm-hmm. in our time. You know. Yeah. But the the story of Harvey and the way that Elwood uh, P. Dowd is sort of uh, very calmly and idiosyncratically rebelling against the uh super a uh, super conformed type of culture and society mm-hmm. it feels like a 50s type of film to me you uh, know yes uh or play and then film and the other main reason is that and I, I know i sound like a snobbish purist or whatever but there is no actor right now who is anything like jimmy stewart and there is no way there's no way to play that role I know it wasn't written for him, it was on the stage, but that is, I think, one of the defining roles of who, like, Jimmy Stewart is to the American people. Like, that, it's yeah. like that, and it's a wonderful life, and, like, Mr. Smith, right. you know? The, uh, I don't understand who he could cast. 
that could be as endearing. Right. And and that's the uh that that was my main problem with it when I heard about it uh, uh earlier today is who could who could he ever cast? Now as far as him remaking the film, here's what I'll say. Again, uh-huh. I'm not defending it and you mentioned it a moment ago. It's not strictly a remake because it was based on a play and maybe he's just going back to the play, but at the same time having been in the play, uh-huh. I, I know that it's it's very I mean they would have to change a lot for it to take place now. Yeah. If in fact it's going to take place now, maybe they'll have uh, it take from place. From what I've read, he they're going to update it. it. It's, yeah, it's going to be okay. updated. And so they would na- need to make a lot of changes. My guess is they'll probably just have the basic story be the same, but that, but like characters will be, you know, a, a specific dialogue will be very different, and that would that would bother me. But the one thing that bothers me about people being upset by it is, well, it's not strictly speaking a remake. It is they're just going back to the source material, but it sounds as though they're going to change the source material, and that I have a bit of a problem with especially because as as you say i really do think it's a function of its time uh, uh-huh. very much so and, and also uh, the the you know we talked about the the haze code although harvey's 57 right or is it earlier i uh, that always, sounds I'm about right i don't with these, with I'm, these bad dates. With, I'm bad with years L- listeners know that i can never remember yeah <laughs> but um i'm Jos- not sure if josephine it's hull won best supporting actress for it there you go you, you don't know what year no. Okay. <laughs> um, but um, so whether or not it happened like during the Hays Code or not, it's still th- there were still certain. It was before the MPAA and the rating system, mm-hmm. you know. So it still had to conform to certain like uh, it, things had to be sublimated, and you know, yeah. And um, I think that really helps. Not that not just that it's it's clever like a lot of other films, but like I'm afraid that like. Elwood's drinking in the new one might be there might be more there's going to be a temptation to like bring that more to the surface because yeah. because you can now right. you know right. you can have but uh, it's one of the things I've always loved about Harvey is that it's such an uh, an agreeable family film but if you think about it he's it, drunk he a lot of the time at a bar alone he doesn't think he's alone yeah yeah uh, <laughs> which actually makes it even worse but that's like where he, <laughs> he hangs out during the day at a bar well and and uh, yeah and the the production that I was that I was in I played Doctor Chumley, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> we didn't change any of it. And I remember just thinking like this character is drinking all the time. <laughs> like I mean he's like uh, it's like the thin man with this guy. Just yeah. he's always and when he's not drinking he's saying hey let's go get a drink. <laughs> um, it's really I mean I could see. If it, if it were a different filmmaker, because I don't think Spielberg is is this type of uh, of guy, um, I could see them turning it into like a guy who like smokes a lot of pot or something like that. <laughs> um, but that's if it, that's if it was a different filmmaker. Um, yeah, I'm actually kind of enjoying the idea of doing that. Like, <laughs> like who could do that? Like, like if like if Richard Linklater. Oh yeah. Got you know got some people together had a uh, uh, maybe Adam Goldberg or someone else from the Days of Confused cast. <laughs> Uh, Adam Goldberg, there's your there's your Elwood Dowd right there. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. <laughs> that would be a fun movie, actually. <laughs> if he were if he were a stoner you know, who wanted to hang out and get high with his imaginary Matthew rabbit. McConaughey. Oh, he yeah, he's due for uh, uh, something other than a romantic comedy. But he doesn't strike me. Uh, he strikes me as 
completely not cynical uh-huh. at all. Yeah, that's a good one. If if here's the thing, if Matthew McConaughey were somebody else but still had the vibe of Matthew McConaughey, I'd say now we're talking. <laughs> that's that's who you cast. Unfortunately, he is him and uh that's why you can't do it. All right, I think I I I wish we had had this idea a year ago. I would have <laughs> probably proposed to to Richard Linklater that he get Matthew McConaughey to do a stoner remake of Harvey cuz now I'm suddenly I've gone from being totally against the idea of a remake <laughs> to loving the idea of a stoner remake. So oh, wait man, a minute, a year ago did you have access to Richard Linklater? No, I'm just, just saying, saying before Spielberg was putting okay. his thing in in, in before in the, play. the the gears were in motion. Yeah, cuz now, you know, Spielberg's got it. We can't. Does he? I mean, I'm sure he has just, the rights. Is what yeah. I'm saying. I mean, is he slated to direct or produce? Uh, as I understood it, he was going to direct. Okay. But, or he was slated to direct, Mister Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the second time I've used that in two days. Uh, I don't know why. I think you mean uh, slated to helm. So, there you go. There you uh, go. Was my this, my this favorite? Pick? My favorite. Um, Variety uh, for people who don't read variety because yeah. I know a lot of you don't, and uh, good for you because you don't necessarily you being, don't a, being a film buff and being into the sort of box office and film news is a, two completely different things. Oh yeah, you know. But so the people who don't know about variety, they they use a lot of slang. Yeah, uh, and I think it's just supposed to make it seem more insidery. I think it's slang. I I don't think it's actual slang. I think they came up with it. <laughs> what the. The the my favorite one ever was, was um, uh, okay. I'll give you the headline first, and then we can like, you can crack the code. Okay. Uh, Newell to helm odor for mouse house. Uh, odor being O A T E R, okay. which means Mike Newell was going to direct a western for Disney, <laughs> but Newell to helm odor for mouse house. <laughs> yeah, if a person said that, you'd be like, "Well, I can't be friends with this guy anymore because clearly he's lost his mind." New to direct. Well done, David. I, uh, that made me chuckle. That's, yeah, that's my favorite one ever. And uh, I don't think Mike Newell ever did a. a yeah, I don't recall him doing a western. A western for Disney. I, I say I don't think. Yeah, he did not. Yeah. I would have known. You would have known. <laughs> I would have. I would have noticed. You stay on top of all Mike Newell-related news. I did. And I, you know, I don't like Gobble to Fire very much. I know you don't. I know and you don't. We haven't talked. Uh, yeah, we haven't recorded since, uh, yeah, since Harry Potter one. Six came out. Um, yeah. Would What'd you think? I know I, we, we've talked about this before, but for yeah. the listeners, right? Right. What'd you think? <laughs> I feel like maybe we should do an entire episode where we just. Don't repeat things that you and I have said in life <laughs> and just be like, what do you think? Well, you know, like I was saying before. Yeah, right. Gotcha. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it is probably my third favorite of the series behind uh, um, Prisoner of Azkaban and uh, Order of the Phoenix. Um, I really it's it's really I'm going to hearken back to uh, what I had to say about Gran Torino and what I said about uh, The Dark Knight. Seeing, I saw the film at a local theater. I live in North Hollywood, um, where there's not very many hipsters. Where the hippest person is probably me, and that's sad. <laughs> no, my girlfriend lives in North Hollywood. That's She's true. Probably that's hipper true. than you are. I'd say she is hipper. Yes, <laughs> I, just her glasses alone. Yeah. Um, and so, but I go to this. I go to this local theater, and I and it's just you know, 
this is going to sound condescending. I don't mean for it to. It's just regular people. It's not people who like analyze the hell out of everything like me. It's just people who are like, hey, this is this seems like fun. Let's uh-huh. go see this movie. And uh, and I like to do that, especially with bigger movies like you know like um, excuse me like Harry Potter right. and The Dark Knight. And so I went and see, saw a midnight show with a bunch of people who, as far as I could tell, were not clamoring to see it the way uh, Jen and I were. Uh-huh. They would just felt like, hey, a midnight show of a big, mo- a big summer movie. Let's go see it. Yeah. Um, and I was, re- I was standing in line. I was really worried about it. Uh, thankfully, nobody really spoke. Nobody talked during the movie or anything like uh-huh. that. Everybody seemed to be really enjoying it. Uh, or at least they wanted to pay attention. But walking out... It was really interesting because, like, listening to, to the conversations of, of other people, some people really enjoyed it, and some people who I, whom I have to assume had not seen any of the other movies uh-huh. or possibly even were aware that there were books. <laughs> um, they were just saying, it's like, that's it? What? That's, that's the ending? <laughs> what does that mean? And you just want to be like, uh, sir, there's, there's going to be two more movies after this did you not know that like <laughs> did you not know and what's more there were five movies before it did you not know that going in yeah. <laughs> how much satisfaction were you expecting to get in movie number six yeah. of an eight film series um and it ju- and so that fa- that fascinated me and uh but it also it also got me thinking in terms of like how does the film how does it stand up on its own and then how does it stand up as part of the series? And I think it was, I, I really, the more I think about it, the more happy I am that they've got the same director doing, that did La, uh, Order of the Phoenix, that's doing the next two. Because then, at a time when the story is, re- the main, the primary story, the primary conflict is really developing, then you have a pretty consistent tone a consistent look and you don't have to worry about oh what's this what's this director bringing to it because at this point it's all about the story and the characters mm-hmm. and so you need somebody to provide some kind of stability there yeah um and i think he's doing a great job and i think that the film really it did what it needed to do it, much like much like order of the phoenix it's it, it's not going to be very satisfactory it's all about setting up the bigger the bigger films you know and and so fr- as far as as far as viewer satisfaction this one and the last one kind of needed to sort of take a hit because for them to try and manufacture some kind of huge climax Mm -hmm. and there are big story climaxes and and character climaxes but for them to try and manufacture a huge set piece Uh to to you know satisfy just the average viewer would have taken away from the series as a whole and so I feel like this is a movie where the director knew what it was. He knew what it what it was ever going to be. He didn't try to make it more than it was. And for what it is, it's really great. I love uh, I love where a lot of the characters go. I like what they've done with Ron. I like what they've done with Malfoy. I like what I really like some of the places they that they t- that they took Harry um, uh-huh. as far as com- uh, comedic- comedically. Comedically, yeah, it was um, really great. And I really like. Uh, a lot of the things that they did with with Dumbledore, we, we are staying spoiler free for them. Right, right. If right. anyone's worrying, if anyone's like, yeah. got their finger over the skip button in case we say something. Right, no, no I'm not that. going to. I'm not going to spoil anything. But, uh, but yeah, I I really like what they did with Dumbledore. Like he's a character who's been, you know, very much in the background, and he kind of shows up every once in a while. He is 
I mean, he is front and center mm-hmm. in this film, right there with Harry. Uh, and and then, of course, as far as the new character, I'd say there there is only one new character in this one, right? Which yeah, was Jim Broadbent's character. Jim Broadbent Slughorn. Um, and I thought that I thought the character was well written, and I thought his performance was great because he took two elements to this character, which was tra- like tragedy and uh-huh. mystery, and and humor, uh-huh. and he actually brought them together. It would seem like those are contradictory, but he actually brings them together so that you actually believe that this guy can be amusing one scene and really quite sad the next. Yeah. Uh, I thought he did a great job, and as you and I have said before, if the, if you know if this were a just society, he'd he'd get a best supporting actor uh-huh. nomination. He was, but he, he, but he was won't. Great. Yeah, um, sorry that. So that's what I thought. Well, of we started talking think? about the whole Mike Newell thing, and I think yeah. um, <clears throat> David Yates has been has proven to be the perfect type of director for these latter yeah. films. I don't think he would have... I mean, he's a more serious-minded director. I don't think he would have fit the first two films. Yeah. You know, Christopher Columbus was the right guy for the first two films. Mm. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron was very much the right guy for the third film because right. he's very good at bridging the whimsy of the earlier films yeah. with the more adult stuff that's creeping in, yeah. you know? And and Mike Newell's the only guy who... I, I, I don't know what to say about him. I feel like Mike, Mike Newell is a guy... He, I don't know. I I always get. We're gonna open the floodgates every time we use this word, but he's more of a journeyman journeyman type of director, you know. <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like the Harry Potter films, sort of like like the the Aliens franchise, Alien Alien franchise before it yeah. is set it up in that it's a great uh, place for auteurs to yeah. interpret, you know. Right. And that's why uh, Mike Newell, Goblet of Fire, is a competent film, but I don't think he. Brings any new vision to it. It's really. You know? um, I watched uh, three, four, and five um, in one day last week because I was going to be recording an episode of uh, of my my other podcast, More Than One Lesson. I'll more no, on that. More about it now. Well, I'll, I'll get to it after okay. this point. Um, and uh, and it's interesting because I, I I remember you and I had a discussion about Mike Newell and, and Goblet of Fire recently. And and so I watching and I hadn't seen four in a while. I hadn't seen three in a while. And so watching three, four and five all in one day with six still pretty fresh in my head. Um, I think from a visual standpoint, I think you're pretty I'd say you're you're right on um, mm-hmm. because I forgot just how much directorial flourish there is in Alfonso Cuaron, just like uh-huh. the way he uses the camera yeah, to just—I yeah. mean, he use, just in the way the camera moves is magic, you know. And and I would say David Yates very very similar. Whereas, and I, yes, Journeyman, I think is probably the right word for it. He 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 adapts his style uh, so that he can adequately show the magic that is happening. But he do, But it's like the director and the camera are not taking part in the magic; they are merely showing it, and and so it's not. So I still I, I like Goblet of Fire more than you do. Um, well, I don't I, hate it. I, it's, right, I still like it more than you do. It's right. your least favorite of the bunch. Yeah. and I do. I've got a lot of problems with it from a story point of view, um, but uh, but directorially, yeah, I would say it might actually, in fact, be the weakest of all of them. Um, yeah, and, uh, it, and I, you know, and I, I say that because like, when I when I rewatched it uh, two years ago, I rewatched all of them. But when the mm-hmm. fifth one came out, I, I think I borrowed them all from you. Yeah, um, 
uh, I I found that the, actually the second half of Goblet of Fire works really well for me. Yeah. But in the first half, it just seems like someone just uh, circled all the most fantastical parts of the first half of the book and yeah. said, "You got to get from here to here to here to here before you can tell your story." You yeah. know, and it's just the whole first half of the book, the movie, just uh, just feels really episodic and it it doesn't feel like it gets moving until like an hour and 15 minutes in it is definitely the most episodic of the films uh and but you've read all the books though right twice and jen has said because i've not read any of the books and and but jen has said that her favorite is is actually goblet of fire but she just after the third film she said i I don't know how anyone could ever make the fourth one because it is just so full yeah. Of details and rules and developments that, like, I, I have no idea how they're going to do this. And it's like, oh, okay, well, what they did was they just took all those, and rather than try and string them together and kind of streamline them into a story, yeah. it just remains a series of events. You yeah, know? that's that's why David Yates has impressed me so much, because he was willing to cut so much. I mean, I think... Order of the Phoenix is the shortest of the movies, yeah. and it's like the longest of the books. <laughs> and I'm really glad. I really like that he was wasn't afraid to cut out the the stuff and still keep the emotional continuity. Absolutely, know? yeah. And that's why the fifth movie is still my favorite, and the fifth is my favorite book too. So it kind of works out. Hmm. But so uh, so uh, speaking of uh, nerdy stuff, because uh, I went to see Harry Potter um, Tuesday, the opening night, the same as you did, but I saw it at midnight at the Chinese theater, right. where it was full of people who had been like sitting outside for right. you know twenty four hours to get the best seat, and and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and it really primed me for the biggest nerd experience of the year, yeah. which is a big deal for me, and that's Comic-Con. Comic-Con. So we... Um, no, that's uh, Comic Convention? Yeah, San Diego okay. Comic Convention. The San Diego Comic Convention. San Diego, yeah, Comic-Con International. San Diego, Com- the 40th. The 40th San Diego Comic-Con. 40th, really? Yeah, 69 was the first one. Wow, uh, that I didn't know. I thought it was like the last, oh, 15 years or so. No, nope, the 40th International uh, oh. Well, it's got to, it's like I mean I know that it's I know that it's it it has gained prestige but I guess it all I guess it always had prestige yeah for well, a the, while I mean the first one had about three hundred people at it and this one had sounds wonderful um, <laughs> uh, I'll, 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 I won't you know guess as to how many people were there because every year you go and you hear like there were so many people there this fifty thousand that's my guess okay well you're way off there um, three hundred thousand. No, but anyway, uh, you hear there's so many people, and then like a year later, you hear like once they have, to have the actual estimates and stuff, it's usually mm-hmm. a lot lower. But like like last year was 126,000. Oh, all right, and I I had heard estimates up to 160,000 this year, but that would be a huge leap, and I think it's probably closer to 130. But uh, we'll that's see. That's insane. Now I've never been. I know I've that's, never been. That's to why a, we're going to do to a an episode on Comic Con, even though this is since we've started doing it. This is the third year since we've started doing Battleship Retention. I mean, yeah, this is the third year that I've gone to a Comic Con. I didn't go the whole time in 2007, but right, this is the yeah. But but we've never done. I've mentioned it, but we've never done an episode about it. And and it really, I've never felt the desire to go, um, because first off, I hate large crowds. I can't be hanging out with 300,000 people. I mean, it's I've not got 300,000. How much was it? One hundred twenty-six thousand. One hundred twenty. Okay. Well, I can't. I, I can't hang out <laughs> with that many people either. Uh, in a in like a closed environment, and it just. I could see it just being like really overwhelming uh, to somebody like myself who's claustrophobic and uh, 
kind of a misanthrope. Um, uh-huh. But uh, but and also I just it just feels like there's so much to do that ultimately you have to make some kind of sacrifice. Oh yeah, yeah. And, there's so much stuff. I and that would to. be very difficult for me as well. But actually, that's hearing, something I want to talk about. Hearing your tales from this past one. Yeah, and uh, reading my tweets. Right? And reading your tweets. Well done, David. Everyone by the can way. follow me at uh, at the pretension. That's right. Or and, or if you don't know what Twitter is like myself, you can go to twitter.com slash the pretension. Yeah, but you have to set up an account before you can follow. I guess you could just read. My That's tweet. what I do, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm not setting up a Twitter. I can just read it. It's fine. Um, I have nothing to say in response. I'll just email. I'll just call you. Yeah, okay. But, um, but yeah, and so... So this uh, this year, your tweets and uh, when you reported back to me afterwards, uh-huh. as always happens whenever David takes a trip, right, needs comes to be, Tyler needs to be de- or I need to be debriefed. <laughs> right, right. And so uh, it sounded really exciting, and uh, and so next year I want to go, and Jen wants to go too. We're very excited. Okay. Well, so well, next we'll year we'll, we'll go, and and we'll both. Well, I won't. I I probably won't be tweeting, but uh, I'll tell you what to tweet on my <laughs> behalf. Okay. Um. But uh, well, where, I don't know where, where to start now. What were you, what were you saying? Um, well, you we were talking about missing things, right? And that's the first thing I want to get uh, off my chest is uh, and and discuss because I think it's something that that gets to the heart of what our podcast here is. Yeah, I only went to one strictly movie related thing the whole time. <laughs> I did mostly TV comedy, yeah, pretty much TV and comedy things. Okay. The only the movie thing I went to was that Terry Gilliam was showing some clips from uh, Imaginary with Doctor Parnassus. All right, which yeah, I'm really glad I got in for that. Yeah, but um, and I was thinking about why because there was so much movie stuff I could have seen stuff for uh you know for Avatar that was the like one of the big ones and yeah. uh, Thirst and uh, Kick Ass which has a lot of good buzz based on the Comic Con stuff. Kick Ass, yeah, it's um. Nicholas Cage is in it. He's like the bigger name in it, but it's not. He's not the star of it. Uh, it also has Christopher, Christopher Mintz Plass in it. Oh, nice! I didn't see it, but everyone who saw the footage uh, that they showed in, in Hall H um, at Comic Con, uh, very good buzz for Kick Ass. Okay. So that's good stuff. But I, I, so I was thinking about like for a second, almost feeling guilty. Like oh, I do a movie podcast. Shouldn't I have been doing more movie stuff? Eh. And I realized that as much as I, I love films more than any other thing in the world. Mm. But I'm not a nerd. me, David? Yeah, more than you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that is uh, not the answer I was expecting. I've known films longer. Hmm. Films Fair have enough. seniority. Fair um, enough. But I'm not a nerd about movies. I'm not a movie nerd. Right. And I think... I've, u- I've referred to myself as a movie nerd. I think it's actually in the sort of description of our podcast. Yeah, I think I so. Think, but... If if we're gonna talk about semantics and what a nerd is, I'm a I'm a movie lover. I'm definitely a movie snob. Yeah, um, enthusiast, if you will. Enthusiast, definitely. But I don't. Here's here's where I don't have the nerd gene for movies. I don't get super excited about things before they're coming out. Right. You know. Um, and I take everything sort of uh, on its own merits. I'm a little bit more of a pessimist. Uh, a little bit more clinical when it comes to watching movies. You know, mm. one of my favorite directors, a guy that I've loved over and over again, could make a movie that was terrible, and I would have no problem saying, "Well, that movie's terrible." Right. Whereas if you're a fan of a thing, you know, mm. and like you know how hard it was for me to admit that uh, Studio Sixty and the Sunset Strip was not good. Very difficult. It was very difficult because I'm a fan. I'm a nerd about Aaron Sorkin and about yeah. his TV shows. You know, yeah, and and so that's that's the difference. Comic Con's a place for nerds. And um, 
you know, I'm I'm certainly interested in Avatar and all these other movies, and I'll see it when it comes out, and I'll have a reasoned analysis of it. Yeah. But when it comes to Lost, <laughs> there's no reason involved. Right. I love Lost unequivocally. Yeah. I'm, uh, uh, well, here's, uh, actually, here's another thing I learned. Well, I learned this in past Comic Cons too. I might be the biggest Lost fan that I know, okay. but compared to Lost fans, I'm nothing. <laughs> I mean, I still could probably hold my own in a conversation with them. Yeah, but the amount, the, the extent to which these people are dedicated to Lost is, frankly, I think kind of heartwarming. But uh, well, it's kind of crazy. Here, here's what I wanted to say, real quick, uh, and we've we've made this uh, this distinction before, but um, but I wanted for any any possible uh, new listeners, I wanted to say that uh, when we say nerd. We don't necessarily mean for it to be insulting. Oh no, I think that's that's a given. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope so. I mean, so well, I, like distancing ourselves from the term nerd. Some might say, like, well, are they distancing themselves from it because they think they are above it? You know. No, and I'm I'm making it very clear. I'm just not a nerd about movies. Okay. I'm a uh, I'm a snob, and a, uh, that, right. And that's more der- more derogatory. Yeah. To be honest, but I'm I'm more of a snob and. In, in, uh, I don't want to sound pretentious, but more of an intellectual, I guess, when it comes to watching movies. Even though I can watch, I watch mainstream movies. I'm not now. Here's 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 my my second point. Now that I've said that we don't view the term nerd as negative, I'm going to say something possibly negative about it. Um, <laughs> now you mentioned that while you are not as big a nerd about Lost as some of the other people at Comic Con, uh-huh. let me ask you. And you say you still say that you could probably have a conversation about it with them. Let me ask you this. Yeah, as far as lost knowledge, I can keep up with them. Okay, let me it's, ask you this. As far as lost character story analysis and really talking about the themes underneath, I feel like you could probably surpass them. Yes, because I have that. You have that sort of intellectual gene. That, okay, and that's. That's where nerddom, nerddom is a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and um, it's something to be respected. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's very heartwarming. People who are just absolutely dedicated to a thing, right? That it, you know, it it means a lot to them. And it, going to the Lost panel, which is in Hall H, which is huge, which holds about sixty five hundred people, mm-hmm. being with like sixty five under uh, sixty five hundred other people who love Lost at least as much as I do, yeah, is a really uh, almost emotional experience. You know, <laughs> so I I love. Nerddom, and I am a nerd about things, but yeah, there is a level of devotion when you're a nerd that right. keeps you from being able to have the distance to analyze. Hmm. You know, and I but, feel uh, like that's... Oh, I wanted to tell a quick okay. story. I went to uh, after the uh, the official Lost panel. Uh, there was um, hosted by uh, Jeff Jensen from Entertainment Weekly and Dan Snearson from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, sort of a, another panel where they were just sort of discussing theories and just talking about season five and the upcoming season six mm-hmm. of lost and jeff jensen made some joke about how he hates the episode expose you know and he was like but uh he's like you know i've come around on it and he's like and he, he said jokingly he said and i think someday expose might be considered an even better episode than walkabout which if you're a lost nerd you know yeah. that's ridiculous <laughs> But now expose that's uh, that's the Nikki and Paolo Nikki and Paolo and, and uh, walkabout, walkabout is, is the lock. first lock lock episode okay. from season one. So he um, said that tongue in cheek, right? Completely tongue in okay. cheek, and about <laughs> a quarter of us laughed at that, and the rest of the crowd was like, "No!" <laughs> like they uh. couldn't. There's such nerds. But again, it means a lot. I I, right. I I find that endearing. You know, well, there they can can't be... even have a sense of humor about it. Right. right. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> yeah, I guess that would involve just this slight, like being able to even analyze the person's tone mm-hmm. when speaking. Um, yeah, it I mean, there are sacrilege to say that X was a better episode yeah, than Walkabout. That's, that's ridiculous. If I saw those words on the page, yeah, 
I'd say it was ridiculous. Like, That's well, like saying Stranger in a Strange Land is a better episode than The Constant. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, the uh, that, those, by the way, are my least and favorite episodes of Lost. Stranger in a Strange Land oh. and The Constant. That's your least and least mo- and favorite and in, least in and most favorite. Yes. Okay. My least favorite and most favorite. All right. Yeah. You tend to mumble, David, and it sounded like you said least favorite. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? No. Constant being your least favorite. No, Stranger in a Strange Land is my least favorite. That's the okay. one with Bai Ling. And, uh, I don't even remember what that is. Okay. It's uh, Jackson Thailand in the flashback. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bad episode. No, thank you. And then the constant everybody knows. Everyone. Everybody who's the Lost fan knows, yeah. And everyone I don't have to explain what that is. Everyone who knows us knows, knows that that's our favorite, of yeah. course. Because I, I have to assume that if you listen to Battleship Pretension, you've probably heard David and I over on the Slash Filmcast, over on Experts and Intermediates, over on the Paul Goebel show. So you've heard all of our opinions on Lost. Yeah. I'm, and everyone who listens to this podcast tracks us down wherever we go on the internet, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and they can hear me over on... Uh, stay tuned. I'll talk More about it at the end listen. of the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like And they can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension. <laughs> You're going to plug your thing, I'm going to plug my thing. <laughs> I don't know why I had to get all New York uh, mobster about it. I didn't mean to do that. But, uh, yeah, and so... I feel like I feel like that's this this actually could wind up being uh I think we've actually had an entire episode about this. I know we've had this conversation, but yeah, that is that is kind of one of the as as affectionate as we are about the term nerd, um there is of course a, a negative side to it. Uh much in the case of like the term snob, there can be a good side to it, which is it's somebody who knows a lot about it and can help others yeah. to know a lot about it as well and analyze it and that sort of thing. But of course, <laughs> There's negative sides. There's a you know another side to both of those coins. And a nerd, just they they absolutely love everything associated yeah. with everything. The, another great example of, of of nerddom that I've I've battled because the other thing apart from TV that I'm a huge nerd about is comedy. You and I have this right. in common. Um, and people who are big comedy nerds find it uh, really hard to admit that the last few seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm have sucked ass, <laughs> when in fact they have. It hasn't been funny really since season three, and that's it was and a tough no thing for me to. It took me like three seasons to admit and look back and go, "Yeah, it hasn't been funny in a while." Because I'm a nerd, but I'm, I was still able to. Uh, right, to and eventually of course, as far as as far as snobbishness goes, there's uh, there's no better phrase when something is subpar than that sucked ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's a well done, assessment. David. Good job. Um, but. So uh, what I want to uh, and uh, do you as a non Comic Con goer ever, and I'm sure many of our listeners are, uh, yeah. do you have any questions about about uh, about what it's like and what, yeah, and just any questions at all? Well, yeah, I uh, a moment ago we talked about I, I mentioned the idea of having to sacrifice one thing for another. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever have to make a choice between t- like if you had to choose between oh. Uh, Iron Man two or Lost? Well, Iron Man two, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. But come on, yeah, you, no, you they, like they, Lost. They don't more. put any of the huge things up against each other. Okay. All, the, all the huge things are in Hall H, okay. and they just go all day. And there's there's a certain breed of Comic Con goer, um, and some of these people are friends of mine who just go to Hall H and pretty much camp out there all day hmm. and watch all the stuff, you know. And uh, Hall H is great, you know. And uh, if there were nothing else going on, I, there's always something in Hall H that I probably want to see, unless it's yeah. the Twilight thing or whatever. Okay. But um, so yeah, I definitely missed out on a lot of stuff because there's always something going on that I'd want to see, okay. and most of that is 
uh, is the movie stuff that uh, is a the hardest to get into. That's another sort of factor okay. is that you have to line up super early. You know, I'm, I'm willing to line up. That's another difference between my TV viewing and my movie watching is I'm willing to wait three hours to get into the Lost panel. Okay, I, I waited an uh, an hour for Terry Gilliam. That was the longest I waited okay. for anything else there because I just don't have. I'd rather be going to see the. Uh, the more discussion panels, as opposed to just, uh, and again, not that's anything wrong with this, but the 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 movie panels tend to be just like here's some footage, here's uh, how about a Q and A. It's pretty much just meant to to get you pumped okay. for the movie, you know, or not. If it turns out it sucks, then it you know they are taking a risk because nerds can be fickle. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, whereas I tend to uh, here's a perfect example is I skipped Avatar to on this is on Thursday. I could have gotten in line early enough for Avatar because I had friends who got in. So I was there early enough for Avatar. But instead, I went to a, a panel that was also hosted by Entertainment, Entertainment Weekly um, called Wonder Women. And it was just they had Eliza Dushku, Zoe Saldana, Elizabeth Mitchell, and Sigourney Weaver. Oh, and they wow. were talking about es- essentially female heroines in action and sci-fi. And you went to that. And it was more of a discussion about like theory and yeah. stuff like that. And that's... Uh, and that's why I feel like I did the Battleship Retention crowd service by going to that sort of thing. Well, that because sounds that's more of yeah. what we do. Yeah. And um, I'll tell you this. Zoe Saldana has got a really good head on her shoulder. She's a smart I don't know who young that is. lady. She played Uhuru in the new oh, Star Trek. Okay. Uh, she, I mean, even though Sigourney Weaver was there, she's like sort of the elder stateswoman of yeah. that type of thing. Zoe Saldana kind of owned that panel. She's hmm. r- really smart. Well, yeah, and I... I guess that's that's uh, the other question I was going to ha- ask is, um, to, did you go to any kind of, I mean, as far as like the smaller panels, I mean, it sounds like Hall H, Hall H is where you go for all the biggest things. Yeah. Like and what is the, what is the, the smallest? Weaver thing was in, was in um, Ballroom 20, which is the second biggest. It probably holds oh, okay. I don't know, a couple thousand. I'm okay. Sure. So it's, so it's not like there were 20 people hanging out. No. Um, what is What's, the smallest, uh, you know, panel or whatever that you've gone to i think the smallest one i went to this year was probably that uh that lost discussion panel that wasn't because there are no or there were no stars like build to be there or anything you know right. it was just people who were super into loss and just want to hear other people who are into loss talk about it okay now it ended up that carlton cuse and damon lindelof and michael emerson dropped by right and it was so it was a really cool panel to go to yeah but that one or uh and we're gonna talk we're, okay we're gonna stop the uh Analytical thing for a okay. second, the 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 theory of Comic Con, and I'm going to be a nerd for a second because the other smallish one that I went to was f- uh, the Goon, which is a comic book series okay. on Dark Horse that uh, uh, Eric Powell writes, and um, I love going to the Goon panel every year because it's always a lot of fun. But all right, listen up, Goon fans, or if you're not a Goon fan, go buy the trade paperbacks and read the Goon, and you will without a doubt be a Goon fan because it's awesome. Um, David Fincher is trying to make an animated Goon movie. Okay. Um, which makes me like I've come around on David Fincher so much in the past oh, few yeah. years with Zodiac and now the fact that he loves the goon apparently. Yeah. Um, and I guess they're having trouble getting studio backing, but they have this animation studio called Blur Animation or Blur Studios or something like that, and they produced two sort of like, just like two minute long like scenes, um, one featuring the goon and one featuring Frankie, who's another main character. Mm-hmm. They had Clancy Brown doing the voice of the goon. Nice. And they had Paul Giamatti doing the voice of Frankie. Well, there you go. And um, I, I don't know if they're ever going to release those or anything, but uh, 
they they said both Eric Powell and the guys from from Blur whatever it was called um, said to the people in attendance get on the internet and get the word out there build some buzz about the goon and I really think you should based on these little like scenes that I've seen okay uh, I really think if anybody out there has any power okay uh, just start talking up the goon movie and hopefully someone will decide to give David Fincher and Eric Powell the money to make the movie because it will be awesome well uh, David the scenes were really good. You've done your part. Okay. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> yeah. Did you so. mention it all on uh, Twitter? Um, I mentioned that I saw some stuff from the movie. I, yeah. All I right. Mentioned. Well, I think you better uh, get to it. Yeah. And if you and I know, Tyler, you haven't read The Goon. Is that right? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, um, Clancy Brown, if it were a live action movie, Clancy okay. Brown would still be playing the lead oh, character. Nice. Okay. It's, that's the kind of guy he is. Okay. So. Um, now, I, I had a, a question, and of course, this is... This might be a very simple answer. It might be more complicated. I don't know. As far as like the the crowd, you know, the like the two hundred thousand people that were there, like again, about one hundred thirty thousand. One hundred thirty thousand. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I've chosen to do this all of a sudden. Um, but I mean, you know, there are a lot of people who come down to San Diego because there's lots of stuff going on, like right in in San Diego as a result of because I know yeah. people. So there are. Maybe 130 plus staff and exhibitors and talent, street vendors at the at the convention. But outside, there are people who have just come down to the the gas lamp district. Just to, so yeah, there probably are 200,000 people. Okay, in this sort of 10 block radius that have descended upon yeah. San Diego. Yeah, upon the I like gas that lamp. it's a huge part of their economy. I I, I have to imagine yeah. it's you know, it's almost impossible, if not totally impossible, to get any kind of motel there. Yeah, um, I got to start looking soon. Actually, but the next year. That's, yes, that's right. Yes. Um, so of the, of all these people, what is the emotional emotion? Eh, emotional might be the right uh, might be the the wrong word, but what is the tone? Like you mentioned, nerds being fickle. Uh-huh. Have you ever gone to a panel, and not not at Comic Con, but like uh, for example, um, somebody like Kevin Smith? Uh-huh has given talks and then there's like a Q&A and he has been kind of attacked a little bit by people in the audience right. uh, verbally. Have you ever encountered anything like that where somebody, there's a panel and then maybe there's a Q&A and somebody stands up and says, hey, you guys are doing this wrong? Or like, is there any kind of like that sort of comic book guy type from The Simpsons uh, negativity about anything? Have you run across that? Well, A, they screen questions oh, okay. before you can ask them so that but I also think, um, and maybe I've got sort of rose-colored, rose-colored glasses on because I love Comic-Con so much, but yeah. I think that the the people in attendance, even if they might have some qualms, are respectful because uh, this person has flown into San Diego or whatever and come to this panel for us, to talk to us. You know, right. So even if they have some some questions, you know, uh, or some qualms, they'll, they'll state them respectfully. There's no... Okay. The, I've never really seen anyone attacked. Okay. So it's mostly, I mean, it's mostly a positive thing. Like, you you wouldn't go down there and pay all the money just to get mad at these people, you know? Right, yeah. It's, you go there... Yeah, it's going to be a lot of headache for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I could see somebody doing it, but as you say, they screen the questions. Um, so what is the... What was your... F- so list off all the things that you went to. Okay. Um, you were there for f- the full four days, right? Yeah. Okay. Five, four and a half if you count four the preview half. night, which is... Uh, okay. There's no panels on preview night. Um, I'll just do the ones that uh, are... 
okay, I went to the the Wonder Woman thing, yeah, and then Terry Gilliam, and that was those are the main things I saw on Thursday. Um, Friday, what did I do Friday morning? <sighs> I don't remember. Um, but then I went to um, Stan Freeberg, uh, who, um. He was sort of the other the other guy, the not Mel Blanc, who did voices for Looney oh, Tunes, okay. but he was very rarely credited. It usually hmm. just says Mel Blanc, but he did voices. Okay. Um, that sounds interesting. But he also did a lot of novelty records. You might, you might, do you know the uh, novelty sort of story song, St. George and the Dragonette? It's like a... No. It's a play on Dragnet, but it's St. George... Searching for a dragon. Okay, that's probably one of his most famous like single songs. But then he also did uh, uh, he did a couple comedy like records with skits and songs uh, about the history of the United States of America, which I actually bought on CD and got it signed by him. Nice. Um, so yeah, I went to the Stan Freeberg panel, which was awesome. He's a the dude's like eighty five now, and he's yeah. uh, very you know very funny and very full of life uh, and uh, well dressed, which. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, I I respect. You know, I'm sitting in a crowd of people in you know cargo shorts and <laughs> just basically wearing the most comfortable things they possibly right, can. Right. And this dude's you know got a like a you know black suit and a pocket square and all. That. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. Uh, but um, and then Friday was the Mighty Boosh panel. The Mighty Boosh. Now there might there's probably a lot of people listening who don't know what what that is at all. Like when you say the Mighty Boosh, they'd be like that. It's like an inappropriate term, right? <laughs> um, so what? What is the it Mighty Boosh? It does sound a little dirty now. That I think about it. Sorry, but um, the Mighty Boosh was um, <clears throat> they were a uh, a comedy duo who did like stage shows um, in England and then got sort of noticed and got some fame and they did a radio series on BBC Radio because uh, apparently over there they still do that. They still do radio shows with stories and stuff that are <laughs> awesome. That's delightful. Uh, and if you can, if anyone can, I don't think you can legally. Uh, maybe it is, it is available, but the before there was a Flight of the Concords TV show, there was a Flight of the Concords six-episode BBC radio series, which <laughs> is, as much as I love the TV show, funnier than anything they did on TV. It's oh, really wow. great. So the Boosh did um, a, TV, a, a radio show and then ended up doing three series of a, uh, which means seasons for those who yeah. don't, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the British terminology, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, three series of the Mighty Boosh TV show. And those were those came out in like two thousand four, five, and six, I think, uh, around about. Um, and then um, they haven't really done a lot since then. But only like literally the Tuesday before Comic Con, Mighty Boosh finally became available on Region One DVD here in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they were doing like sort of a, a mini U.S. tour where they they had did they did a show in in New York. And they came to Comic Con, did the panel, and then we did a show uh, in San Diego that night that I went to, and then they did a show in Los Angeles uh, last week. And so, how how well attended was the uh, was the panel? I mean, oh, it was pa- we got there early. Luckily for me, I wanted to see the Stan Freeberg thing, and they were in the same room. Oh, uh, nice. Comic Con, I think, sometimes tries to do that right, so you can try and uh, see the you know be there in the same things. So they don't empty out the rooms in between the things, so. Hmm. Because that would take forever. Yeah. Um, so luckily, I was there, you know, an hour and a half before the Boosh panel because I was there to see Stan Freeberg and I right. got in. But I know people who who weren't able to get in for the oh, okay. Boosh, uh, which is a common experience at Comic Con. You pretty much always have to have a a backup plan because hmm. sometimes you just can't get into things. I didn't even try for Venture Brothers this year because the Venture Brothers line last year was 
Whew. See, and this is, I think this is one of the things that really fascinates me when I hear about Comic-Con. Like, I know about the Mighty Boosh from you. Uh-huh. I know about, I've, excuse me, I've never seen an episode of Venture Brothers, but I've heard about it from you. And uh, I'd say most notably Jim Bruce is yeah, like Bruce a huge, a huge, fan, huge yeah. fan of it. Um, and so, and I'm, I'm usually pretty aware of, of things, uh-huh. you know. And so then I just assume like, well, Mighty Boosh. How big must that have been? It's like, yeah, I'm sure it's packed, but what is it, 150 people? Like, <laughs> it's just I instinctively yeah. feel like because it's because it's obscure, even amongst like nerds, I would say, like there's probably a lot certain. of nerds who don't know about it. Um, I feel like I feel like well, they're you know good for them that they're good for Comic Con that they're pushing this very obscure little thing. Um, but, but then, then you find people can't get in. Yeah. Yeah, and then everybody goes to see it and it's huge and it's there's a huge demand for it. Yeah. And then the the show that night was was crazy. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that I bought my tickets in advance cuz there's a huge line all the way like down the block and around the corner. It was that was a lot of fun. And so that was and then Friday was also the Goon. Okay. Uh panel which um uh Thomas Lennon and Ben Garant of Reno 911 in yeah. the state uh sort of sat in on the panel as characters. Uh, Okay. It was, it was very funny. All right. Um, <clears throat> and they said fuck a lot, which you're not supposed to do. Oh, really? Because uh, there's no age limit at Comic-Con. So they, oh, that's true. There's yeah. no rules against it, but I guess they they sort of encourage the people not to uh, yeah. not to swear too much. Um, so that was Friday. Saturday was Lost. Yeah. And then um, uh, Saturday was also Tim and Eric Awesome Con, which is not a part of Comic-Con. It's down the road a little bit oh, they okay. ran out this sort of park and have like uh egg tosses and uh, <laughs> wheelbarrow races and all kinds of stuff and oh that's delightful uh that was that was fun what else did i do and then i did that other lost panel i, I know i'm leaving some stuff so out, really i, I mean stuff i went to mythbusters so a person w- could really only exp- if they go like next year if any listener decides they want to go they really should only expect to do three things in a day uh, it depends uh, if you if you if there's a lot of things you want to see in one room and you okay. can camp out all day you can see a whole bunch of stuff you can, okay. you can see uh, at least a half dozen things a day you know um, and then how long is a panel on average um, I, I'd say I'd say an hour is the average like, okay but I've saw like the Terry Gilliam one was only half an hour the Mythbusters hmm. one was like an hour and ten hmm. um, Mythbusters was kind of a disappointment frankly. is it a disappointment why is that. I guess I thought they'd show more footage and maybe do some more stuff, but it was basically basically them just taking questions from people who were really, really into Mythbusters, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I didn't realize there were people, because it's not a serialized show, right. so I didn't think of it as people like knowing like episode numbers and specific things that were said the way you do like like with Star Trek fans, but there are people who are really nerdy about Mythbusters. It seems to me, first off, when you told me that there was a Mythbusters panel at all, I was fascinated. I know that it, it has a, a big following, but part of me is just like, well, as far as questions go, like the episodes seem pretty open and shut to me. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I but guess that's, that's the fun thing, actually, uh, is that about some of the questions is that they're not like they're, these are clearly some very smart, uh, you know, uh, very thoughtful people who have watched these shows and thought of like, why didn't you test this? You know, <laughs> and so the people who are literally like exasperated, you know, <laughs> like the one where they they. Uh, they played like angry or happy music for plants to see if plants would grow differently, mm-hmm. you know. And the guy was like, "You have to do it with, uh, you know, people's like the psychology people who are actually angry talking to the plants. <laughs> and it can't just be the music or something." It was uh, that was a lot of fun. 
Because well, then, then they asked, they're like, how many of you have yelled something like that at your TV while watching us? And like most of the crowd <laughs> put their hands up. So <laughs> it was, the people were fun for the Mythbusters, but I wish they'd shown some more footage. Yeah. That's what I wanted to see is just stuff blown up. So what was your, what was your favorite uh, thing that you lost? Lost, of course. Okay. It was, uh, I'd have to have, we'd have to have our own lost podcast for me to talk yeah. about everything i saw but uh, and uh, there's already enough of those that are doing way better than we are so uh, yeah. yeah maybe that's maybe that's how we get the ratings <laughs> is to have you talk about the lost panel but uh, but I, actually in response to the lost you know you were telling me about uh, what happened during the lost panel and i won't uh-huh. ask you to recount everything right. but i remember i remember you saying something like uh being in the same room with 6,500 yeah. people who are right there with you, I mean, one could say it, it's almost a religious experience because it's, <laughs> right. it's, you're in a room with a bunch of people who believe the same thing you do, in this case, about the show Lost. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so so you mentioned that something happens, and there's not a you, – you said it not – entirely facetiously not a dry eye in the house no, now, not facetiously at all they showed uh, I won't, this isn't really giving anything away or they, right. they, they did like 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 you'd see at the Oscars they did an in memoriam for yeah. like a lot of the a lot of the characters who have died yeah. not, they didn't do all the characters I would have liked to see one for Goodwin but I'm a nerd um, <laughs> uh, but for a lot of the characters who have died they just showed sort of montages and uh, montages and uh, and had their name at the end mm-hmm. and um and then, like, it seemed like they like it was ending and, like, faded out. And then a new one started and it was for Charlie. Yeah. Ah, I feel like people who haven't watched season three yet. You know, here's the thing. When did season three air? Uh, two plus years ago. Two plus years ago. It's available. F- all episodes are available for free online. You yeah. don't even have to pay for them. I feel bad. You shouldn't feel bad. Charlie dies. Okay, in I'm season gonna, three, want me to tell you how? In the episode description, I'm going to put a mi- like minor lost season three sp- or major lost th- season three spoiler. I'd say that's a pretty big one. Yeah, that is a big one. <laughs> but I, I figure most people will probably uh, listen. Yeah, or seen it already. But so then, the last one they do is a super long one with like yeah. music and like I mean they all had music, but like special music and like uh, actual clips of audio and the super whole long thing for Charlie. And when yeah. the lights came up, I literally I had teared up, <laughs> and then I I, I felt kind of embarrassed until I looked over at my girlfriend and she also had tears like streaming down her face yeah. and I was like okay well, I'm okay and everybody was and everyone probably was, yeah, now what, was do very you think because uh, when you told me that I actually this is this is off the subject of Comic Con a little bit and talking about Lost um, when thinking about all the people that have died in Lost do you think that his death was the biggest of all the people it's the biggest for me but I think that depends on the fan I just mean like as far I mean as far as like the in, uh, like character status and stature. Uh, I don't know about status and stature, but character lovability. Like, okay, I mean, who's more lovable than Charlie, except for Hurley? And Hurley That's didn't true. die. That's but what true. character that had has died is more lovable than Charlie? That's true, Be, and especially and the way in which he died was very noble mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. Okay, all right, fair enough. Because I because I was thinking like, well, a lot of people have died on that show. Like, is he really like? To mention, you know, to go back to uh, Oscar in memoriam uh-huh. montages, usually it's either the most tragic death or the death of the biggest contributor to film, which incidentally, somehow, every year seems to be an actor. <laughs> That's weird. Never a writer or a director. Odd. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
sorry, uh, anybody who uh, is an actor. But um, <laughs> and of course, they always save it for like the highest profile one. So I was like, oh well. So I guess that's I guess that's Charlie in this yeah. instance. And I was like, well, is it Charlie? Like strictly speaking, or is there somebody I would well, who put would you ahead put? of him? And and that's and as I've gone through, I think I think that is probably who I would go simply go with simply because his death was. It was heroic, and he's a character who always wanted to be a he- kind of heroic, um, mm-hmm. and has been you know fighting, you know, been chasing the dragon, uh-huh. uh, you know the whole the the whole series, and so for him to go out on such a selfless yeah. note, I think is what I think his death probably has the most resonance, probably for everybody. I would say, yeah. So uh, we should get back to to comedy. Sorry about that. Um. um because I, I I don't know I'm, I feel like I have kind of just geeked out about Comic Con for most of the episode oh, and how much fun I had but I really wanted to talk about sort of what it is and what it means and why it makes me so happy. All right, let and me I'm ask you really, this. Okay, David, uh-huh. Comic Con, what is it? <laughs> what does it mean? What does it mean to you? <laughs> okay, now I've put myself on the spot here. I'll you be, really I'll have. That was not what I meant to do. <laughs> um, I think every year that I go and I see. Uh, kids like high school kids probably like like 14 year olds mm. who are you know wearing shirts with uh like um the toxic avenger no like i mean like wearing like like clue clue shirts you know the uh I don't, I, i'm not saying it. it's c c t h u l u i don't know you know what i'm saying um <laughs> okay well uh so you're not that nerdy no, the people who are wearing those proudly with other people they're clearly Big, you know, they're pasty. They have overbites. They have zits. They look like I did when I was yeah. that age, you know. Um, and they are, I feel like, living their lives with uh, a uh, for that weekend a certain amount of 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 uh, happy abandon that they're probably right. not afforded day to day in high school because yeah. they have to try not to stick out too much. They are unapologetic about their passions. Yeah, and it's I find that I've always found that very heartwarming. All right. Let's let's rewind uh-huh. to when I saw Harry Potter. Uh-huh. Again, I saw it with a bunch of people who, as far as I could tell, were just whatever. You yeah. know, uh, they didn't care. As I'm standing in line outside the theater, I see a kid who he's not really a kid, strictly speaking. He's probably 15, uh-huh. maybe maybe 14. He is walking past us because there was a 12:01 show and a 12:05 show. Uh-huh. The 12:01 show had already. Uh, had already started seating, so all the people in line were twelve oh five. So he was he was late to the twelve oh one, and so he and his mom were walking in. Uh-huh. All right, so it was him and his mom. He is wearing a robe, like uh-huh. a Harry Potter robe, and the people directly. Well, in, did, what color scarf did he have? Uh, I don't think he was wearing a scarf. It was just he was just wearing one of the robes, and I think I just I stole a joke from one of my Twitter followers. Oh. Uh, well, here's the thing. <laughs> if they're following you, it means that uh, you know they give you they give you permission to say anything that they might have said. Okay, that's the way I look at it. Speaking of Twitter followers, uh, shout out to those that I met or just barely didn't meet at Comic Con. David Strapinis, who does the um, I'm probably butchered his last name, but he does a podcast called the VFX Show. Mm-hmm. People should listen. Um, I saw Ian Brill. Yeah. Uh, that's at I Brill, uh, and he works for Boom Studios, which is cool. If you're into comics, they did a. Uh, uh, a comic based on um, Do Android Dream, Dream of Electric Sheep. Hmm. Uh, that's really cool. Dave Chen. Um, I met Dave Dave Chen, who I'd met on Skype before, but uh, right. uh, didn't get to see him. And then I kept 
I kept missing at Broken Cosmos, who does the Criterion <laughs> Cast, which is a cool podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, sorry about that at Broken Cosmos. And you ran across a friend of the show, Graham Elwood, right? Yeah, saw Graham. Yeah. All right, very exciting. That's it is weird, just the sheer number of people that you ran across. Because as you, you know, yeah. there's like four hundred thousand people there, <laughs> and it's just, and you manage to see the people that you know. That that amazes me. Um, oh, t- I forgot I was telling a story. So the, so this kid walks by uh-huh. with his mom in the robe. The people directly in front of me are like, they're laughing at him, clearly. Uh-huh. And they were laughing loud enough that he heard them. Uh-huh. And he just kind of looked at them, and he looked kind of sad. And I wish that I had had the balls to say, you're doing it right, kid. Don't let these idiots yeah. uh, you know, dissuade you. Like. First off, like the fact that you're seeing a movie with your mom at 15, good for you. Uh-huh. I was arguing with my mom at 15. <laughs> you know, we had an okay relationship, but uh, there were some differences. And so, like the fact that you're doing that, and that it's like, yeah, if you had gone down to Hollywood, you would have been with people that were just as enthusiastic yeah. as you. But maybe you couldn't afford it, or maybe you couldn't gotten, t- maybe you didn't get tickets ahead of time, uh-huh. and this was the only theater you could have gone to. And these, and you love Harry Potter, and these jackasses in front of in front of me are going to make you feel bad for it. Like I was so mad at them, and I wanted to hug the kid because, as you say, it actually was a bit heartwarming. That you know what. He probably he might have thought that he would be, be laughed at, but he did it anyway because yeah. it was important to him. And yeah, I love it. You know what? Those guys laughing. I'm reminded of um, Paul Rudd's line from Knocked Up when he says, "I wish I liked anything as much as my kids like bubbles." <laughs> and the thing is, those sad, pathetic, insecure fuckers who are laughing at that guy—they yeah. don't feel that strongly about any- anything. They don't yeah. feel as strongly as this kid feels about Harry Potter about anything, and that's sad. <laughs> that's sad. Right. And they're so, not invested in life the way that kid is. So I, w- I, I hope that kid went to uh, went to Comic Con and got to hang out with a bunch of people as enthusiastic about stuff as he is. Yeah, there are a lot of a lot of Harry Potter people. Saw a lot, saw a lot of uh, uh, you know, crimson and yellow Gryffindor scarves. Of course, it's good stuff. Um, okay, so so we've covered what Comic Con is and a little bit what it means. Have we covered yet what it means to you? <laughs> I think what it means is what it means to me. Okay. You know I mean. Uh, Are you going to go every year? I mean, is that basically your plan now? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of fun every year. Okay. And the thing is, I could... That's the other thing I was going to say earlier, is I could hit more panels. Yeah. But I'm kind of a, so, I'm kind of a social animal. I like to go... That's true. Into the, ...into the gas lamp district and have drinks and have, have food with people, you know? Yeah, if you look at... Uh, if you do follow David... On Twitter, you will see there is just a, there are just as many tweets about drinking as there is about uh, seeing a panel or standing in line or something. And I'm not I'm not judging you. I am a little bit, but like, well, no, I'm not I'm not a drunk. I'm not drunk now. <laughs> I drink <laughs> I drink socially. Okay. All right, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think I got a little too defensive just there. I think <laughs> I just protest too much. I'm not drunk now. <laughs> Case closed. Um, but. Uh, yeah, and so so next year I definitely want to go. Yeah, so th- that's just it's one thing that I want to get at, and I'm uh, uh, I'm I'm going to sort of write a, an article for the Quietus, which I don't usually talk about. I occasionally write things for this right. British uh, uh, online magazine called the Quietus, and I'm going to write all, something. All very good articles. All all very kind of provoking fun. and fun, but and and usually uh, you make references that that I didn't 
think to make that I oh, wouldn't have ever okay. thought of, and it's it's good well, stuff. Well, Go I'm, I'm, I'm going to say sort of what my uh, try and sum up what my sort of thesis is for the article that I'm writing on Comic Con for them, which is that as much as people complain about how large Comic Con has become and how big a presence the studios and the networks have, and that mm-hmm. it's just there for them to show what they have coming out, it's just a, a marketing venture for them. At the end of the day. It's still our convention. It's not their convention. Right. They're still there because they're catering to us. We're not we're not flocking to them like sheep. Right. We built it. I mean not me personally, but our community of nerds. You built that city on nerds. We built <laughs> anyway. Okay. We built Comic Con. Yeah. The reason they come there is because of us. Right. So we're not uh, we're not eating out of their hands. When they're showing us footage, they're hoping we're gonna like it. Yeah. And that's one thing that we have to have to remember, and I don't think that's gonna be a problem. I, st- I think Comic-Con still has a lot of, of nerd pride. I don't think they've actually let the networks take over, or the studios take over, uh, and I don't think they ever will. But uh, that's my answer to people who have complained that uh, that Comic- Comic-Con has become too corporate and too uh, based on advertising. It's it's still our convention. They're still coming to cater to us. And I think it's important, and I, I, I feel like anybody who, who's listened to the last you know 40 minutes or so of you talking about it i don't think that they would hold this view but there might still be somebody who's i also can't imagine anybody who listens to this show would hold this view but maybe um you know comic-con is an easy target for Mm -hmm. people like the people who are standing in front of me in line who say it's just like it's just a bunch of it's just a nerd convention and it's like yeah you mean one the you mean the one where the makers of lost go to you know, to talk about it yeah, in not front just, of them. Like, I mean, those people might not care about the makers of Lost, but the one that Robert Downey Jr. and Denzel right. Washington and Johnny Depp all showed up at this year. Yeah. You know, like it's it, it is, and we've we I know we've made this this point before that it's not it's not just a bunch of like a bunch of like losers. You no. know, there is a di- there is a difference between like a nerd and a loser. Yeah, it's some you know? of the smartest people in the country, right? And frankly. it's the people who probably in about oh fifteen twenty years will be running the country. <laughs> I have to assume. Um, I'm including you in that, David. Okay, <laughs> that's so, a lot of pressure. I just I want to I want to I'm holding on to your coattails here, buddy. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's just just if you have even the slightest inkling of that that vibe you know if you get that vibe from comic-con it's not there it's just something that somebody said once probably because they felt left out of the fun of uh-huh. comic-con um, and it is a blast it it absolutely seems like it i i definitely want to go uh next year and and i don't drink so between david and i we're gonna get so much stuff done we're gonna <laughs> see everything oh my gosh yeah um yeah, so I, I encourage as many people as possible to go next year. Uh, to, because, you know, there are people who are drawn because of the movie things to just go. Right. Who aren't, maybe aren't dedicated nerds. So, listen, nerds. Uh, nerd listeners. Uh, um, get your tickets early next year when they go on sale in March or whatever. Get your tickets. Let's let's all go to Comic-Con and we'll have a Battleship Retention meetup. Oh, that would be wonderful. It'd be a lot of fun. Someday, we're going to have a Battleship Retention panel. <laughs> no, we're not. It's like, oh my gosh, Mike Schmidt dropping in. <laughs> um, so uh, they need to do that, though. Podcasting's a big deal these days. Oh, I'm sure there are podcasts, but uh, we're not that big. Next, we will. I didn't say now. Yeah, we're not. I said someday. We're not the slash film cast. Those guys. Uh, yeah. I, I I tried to talk to talk to Dave Chen in the line for Lost. People were like pawing at him. Like <laughs> you're Dave Chen. <laughs> that was the best possible way you could phrase that because yeah. I just get people. I just imagine people being like, nah, just trying to yeah, touch no. them like a bear. No, they're, they're like, uh, you know, 
Uh, sign my pasty skin, Dave Chan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. <laughs> Let me roll up my uh, or remove my uh, predator arm panel from my left arm so you can sign my pasty skin. <laughs> oh no, I accidentally said it to self destruct. <laughs> um, anyway, so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks, David, for uh, filling us in on uh, on your Comic Con experience, and uh, it was it was very interesting to hear about it. Um, and so let's uh, let's kind of finish with uh, with a couple of announcements. One, uh, I never got around to it, but uh, so I've started uh, a podcast, another podcast called More Than One Lesson. Uh, I mentioned it before. It is now it's up and running. There are six. We're six episodes deep. Um, and uh, basically, it's it's film criticism from a Christian perspective. The idea being to reconcile uh, the idea of art and faith. Uh, they are not enemies, as some people might think. Um, and I like that you you eased into that by starting with an episode about about homosexuals in the movies. Cause well, that, I wanted that. I wanted to declare that's, that's, myself. That's a softball for the Christian community. There. Well, I wanted to <laughs> declare myself, and then I and then I eased back a little bit. With Frost Nixon, and then I went with Religious. Yeah. And then I eased back a little bit, but not as much as one would think with Superbad. And then there's the reader uh, with the, with its uh, with all its nudity, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then I uh, the most recent episode uh, I had a guest on the show, a friend of mine, and we talked about uh, the Harry Potter series. So and then next week uh, we I will be talking about In the Loop, so which is a wonderful film that I highly recommend. Uh, I, so also, I might go home and uh, I, might, I might go see that tonight. Actually, you should, uh, right. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, is is it okay if we uh, make this announcement the thing that's going to happen for the next few weeks? Yeah, we're go- oh yeah, we're going to do it again. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. All right, um, so because we really want you to go to our website. Absolutely, <laughs> and so far hasn't been much of a reason to. I understand that. I'll start blogging more again. I really since I started this new job, I just don't have the time to slack off all day and write blogs <laughs> the way I did. And I promise everybody the movie of the week will actually be weekly. Uh once again, I've been getting this other podcast going, but uh but now that it's up and running, I don't have to spend as much time on it. And so uh there will be the movie of the week again, but more importantly, like Everybody. we did with the top 100 characters. Right. Which is us just kind of like thumbing our noses at Empire Magazine. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, who do we think we are? <laughs> We're guys who produced a much more comprehensive and much more impressive list. That's who That's we are. That's true. Uh, so now we're we're gonna go we're gonna go for the gold now. That's right. Uh, uh, we're gonna take it right on home. And, okay. Uh, other such colloquialisms. We're going to uh, compile a similar list of the top 100 movies, films yes. of all time. The best movies of all time as decided by you yeah. the battleship pretension listeners and so what the the guidelines for those who weren't uh, didn't do this for the character one or maybe weren't listeners then um it's not necessarily your favorite right it's the way you put it perfectly the last time you send us a list of 10 10, ten. person a list of 10 movies again not necessarily your favorite but 10 movies that you think should be on the list of the top 100 movies of all time right uh, and then we'll, you know, compile votes and we'll uh, release a list. Right. And uh, and just to make sure, these can be American or English speaking films. They can be foreign films. They can be silent films. They can be if they can be right up until this year. If you want to include, he's just not that into you. Well, I'll probably throw your email away, admittedly. <laughs> but you you can. All right. There's no limitations on this. All right. I would say feature films only. I'll say that. 
Um, right. But there's even a caveat to that. If you want to include Sherlock Jr., for example, which is only like 50 minutes long, it's a Buster Keaton film. Yeah. I don't know. Should we do feature films only? Because I, I can see... Like Unchi and Andalou and I could see like Unchi and Andalou being on there, and maybe some some Stan Brackage or Maya Duren. All uh, right, everybody. If uh, again, we'll see if my if our listenership is as snobby as I am. I know it'd be a lot <laughs> of fun. How many people just thought of Maya Duren? When <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. So the one limitation, it's not even there anymore. Yeah. Any movie, and it, okay, uh, here's a limitation. It can't be like home movies that you like. I'm not going to submit. <laughs> Day of the Zombie that I made when <laughs> right. I was 15. And nothing you saw in America's Funniest Home Videos is right. going to make the list. Right. It's like, and uh, number two is, of course, The Godfather. Number two, Man Getting Hit with Football in the Groin <laughs> by Hans Molman. Um, so, so that's the deal. So we're going to be, uh, for probably the next, I'd say, three weeks, because we have significantly more listeners than we did eight months ago when we did this before. So for the next three weeks... Email us. Uh, in fact, I'd say probably, yeah, email both of us. We'll do that. Email us, yeah. David at BattleshipPretension.com and Tyler at BattleshipPretension.com. Email us the 10 movies that you think absolutely need to be on the list of the 100 best movies of all time. Uh-huh. All right? It's not your favorite. So, there, so try and seek some objectivity here. And there we go. So, and then we will reveal it in about a month. Okay. All right, and All right, then there so will be, uh, and and if you want kind of, uh, if you want to see how it's going to look, head on over to Battleship Pretension, click on the uh, the greatest characters of all time list, scroll on through, and uh, you know, read those. Yeah, they're fun. So they are fun, um, and they took a lot of time to write. So, so yeah, those are those email addresses are where you send it. Also, if you had any other reason you want to get a hold of either of us, you can send it uh, to those email addresses: David right. at battleshippretension.com or Tyler at battleshippretension.com, or follow me on Twitter at the Pretension. Right. Follow me, please. I've I've decided to just be completely shameless and just uh, pander for, for. I want as many followers as possible. Absolutely, and perhaps you can tweet about my new podcast, More Than One sure. Lesson, yeah. available at more than one lesson dot com. So okay, yeah. So again, follow me on Twitter at the Pretension, <laughs> and uh, uh, every Friday until I tell you to stop, follow Friday me. That that's where you list other people on Friday. Uh, we can have this discussion off the. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right. So uh, so thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we'll get you next time. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.